Folks, you know you're in for a tweet. We got Faraz Jaka in the house tonight, and he's already booming and rocking to the intro music. So you know you're in for some fun times here in the Rec Poker Podcast. Um, we're going to talk to Faraz shortly. We're going to find all about uh, uh, Jaka coaching, all about um, his strategy tips for new players, uh, a new partnership uh, working together with Rec Poker. I'm so excited to be welcoming uh, Faraz Jaka onto our Learning with Partners program. Um, this is just a, a great start to what I'm sure is going to be a great year at Rec Poker. So this is the Rec Poker podcast. Regular listeners will know this is the chats edition. We also do a forums edition every week, just talking strategy. I'm your host, Jim Reed Bluffsterini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim. And I've got the best freaking job in the world talking poker with my friends here on the podcast every Monday night at 730 Eastern live on YouTube. Uh, you can join us for free and win a prize just for showing up. All right. Now, before we get to the interview with Faraz, I have to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. You can find out more about them at runaces.com. And we're super excited about having another Rec Poker weekend on January 19th and 20th. Uh, so stick around to the end of the show for some more details about that. We're also going to be giving away a prize to support a local food bank donation. Um, we've got a lot of fun stuff coming at the end of the show. And I just want to remind folks that uh, most of what we do here is free. So our sponsors are really important to us. And so are our premium members. Uh, for less than 50 cents a day, you can come connect over Zoom with other fun, uh, encouraging poker players like us. Uh, but if you want to join up for free, we uh, we love that. Our community partners are a fantastic uh, part of what we do here. And uh, all it takes is an email address and a smile. Um, so we're so excited. Uh, I am just one uh, member of the Wrecking Crew. As you know, they let me host the show on Mondays. But it takes a whole crew to make the magic happen here at Wreck Poker. If you want to find out more about me or the rest of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to wreck.poker slash crew. But you can also listen up. You're going to meet a few of them here tonight on the show, starting with uh, producing co-host John Somsky. I am John Somsky, also known as Poker Geek MN Everywhere. Hey guys, I'm Joseph Wills. I am hockey underscore poker on Elon's social sandbox, and I'm also hockey underscore poker 702 in the home game. Hello, I'm Keith Brandt. That's monkey system pretty much everywhere. And he's Rob Washam, and we can't hear him right now, but he's Radman50 pretty much everywhere. And Rob, you can jump back in anytime you get that. Uh, okay. There it is. I accidentally <laughs> hit the button on my. <laughs> <laughs> on my headset sorry well we had the over under just about everywhere <laughs> <laughs> we had the over under on audio miscue set at one and a half today so it's still within reach i want everyone to know if you're a betting man so i'm super excited to be welcoming uh faraz jockey to the show if you've been living under a rock for the last couple of years that uh, you might not know who he is um he's burst onto the poker scene he's had some great results he seems like a very natural coach and teacher people are saying great stuff about his material um, if you're here live on the YouTube chat, you can type your questions right into the chat box there, and we'll make sure to ask them in front uh, of our man uh, Faraz here. And also want to just remind folks that we'll be doing our uh, food bank drive at the end of the show. So start typing in um, the names of famous poker players so we can play a stake study stack uh, with Faraz while the show uh, at the end of the interview. Okay, for us, we are here, man. We did the interview. We nailed it. We only got one audio cue screwed up. I feel like this is a year of destiny, not only for us, but for you as well. Welcome to the Rec Poker Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This seems like a, like a great bunch. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the next hour. 
Right on, man. Yeah, well, we, we we have fun. We have a lot of fun with poker. That's one thing you can say for sure. And um, we love having new guests on the show to uh, to talk to uh, about this fantastic game that we all love so much. Um, I guess one, I don't want to put you in a box. I don't want to define you to our listeners. If by some chance they don't know who Faraz Jaka is, um, could you just kind of tell a little bit about your role in the poker world today? Yeah, I mean, I, I started as a, you know, a player out of college, uh, played professionally for, you know, over 16 years now. Um, you know, back in 2009, 2010, I was World Poker Tour Player of the Year, uh, really traveling nonstop, living out of a suitcase, um, you know, Airbnb to Airbnb, staying in hostels, uh, really living the vagabond life. And like, not just because the poker, just because I love that lifestyle. Um so yeah, that that was really me for uh, the majority of my career. I was really a hybrid between um, kind of the old school live guys and the new school online guys. You know, I was kind of born right right at that time when that transition was happening, and um, yeah, it really was a, was a big part of both. And uh, you know, in the last five six years. Uh, at one point, you know, I took a break from poker to pursue a startup and did that for three years and then came back into, you know, playing poker full time. I uh, was trying to figure out, you know, what my niche was going to be on the business side now because, you know, I started raising a family and I was like, well, I don't want to be on tour all the time. I want to actually spend time with my family and raise my son. So, um, you know, that's where, um, you know, I, fe- I fell into coaching. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's really blown up. You know, I started doing a little bit of coaching and then COVID happened and there was no live tournaments to play. So I started, you know, finally saying yes to all the inquiries I was getting. Um, I coached over 120 people in that year and a half. Uh, And then I had a lot more demand that I could handle. Uh, People wanted a lower price point. So it was just kind of an obvious time to, hey, let's see if I could scale this to, you know, thousands of people rather than, you know, the 120 I coached in the last year and a half. So that's really been uh, my mission since then, the last couple of years. And it's been going pretty awesome. Like it sounds like it, and I mean, those are the right problems to have, right? I mean, if you're uh, if if you've got more um, people knocking on your door, then you've got time to serve. You got to find a way to scale that. Now, that strikes me as a very different way of teaching, though, a different way of coaching when you're not one on one in the room with the people. I guess can you speak a little bit of to kind of like the challenges that you faced as you sort of pivoted to this new way of teaching poker to the masses? Yeah, well, um, so so basically my goal was this one-on-one thinking thing was working so well. Um, I could just, you know, I would literally record people's first session to like their third or fourth session, and you could just hear the way they're talking about poker is night and day. And um, you know, what what I found really helped is I'm real I'm really big on um kind of a few things. Like A, I want you to visualize kind of what I'm talking about. Um, I want you to hear it audibly, and then I want you to be able to repeat it back to me. And right, because different people learn differently. And also, lots of times in my one-on-one coaching or just talking poker with people, you, you say something, you've said it over and over again, and it's like, "Yep, I got it." And a week later, it's like, "Nope, <laughs> they didn't get it." Um, and that that <laughs> happens to me too, right? Because sometimes, right, when you're forced to exercise that muscle that has to explain it back or actually apply it, it's just different. Um, so, so I really try to implement that into my one-on-one coaching and, um, you know, I had great results there. So now it was just like, how do I take this thing that's working in one-on-one and make it work in a group format so I can hit more people and again, teach thousands of people, not just hundreds. 
And uh, right, that's why I started with the group coaching thing. And in that group group coaching, I'm just very, um, you know, it's very um, active. Like I, I, I constantly asking people, what would you do here? Why? I'm calling people out in the chat. And sometimes they're not ready to be called out, you know, and they're like, oh, crap, sorry. I kind of was like doing two things while I was watching the lesson. And then the next time they're a little more focused. Um, <laughs> and people like that, you know what I mean? Because so, so lots of times you just need accountability. So, um, so yeah, the group coaching sessions are uh, very interactive like that. And I'm really selective with who I pick as my coaches. Um, I don't want them to just be good poker players. I want them to be good teachers. And I also want to make sure we're on the same page because um, I try to solve a lot of the problems that I hear people have on other training sites. And one of the things was this coach would say that, this one would say that, and kind of leave me confused. Um, so I try to do something a little more cohesive. Um, you know, even with other training sites I've been in the past, they're just like, yeah, make make whatever subjects you want, whatever you think is best. Um, instead, I'm kind of overseeing the coaches and I have a feel for what students need, uh, what's already in the library, what's not. And then I meet with the coaches and I'm like, here are the list of topics. What do you think is best for you? Um, and, and I talk strategy with them, too. So we're really on the same page. Um, so yeah, I, I jumped in a lot of different directions. No, no, that's what the original question was, but yeah. That's that's a, you put, there's a bunch of great answers in there already. I mean, we talk about just the benefit of accountability of just having someone to work with. Mm -hmm. We talk about yeah. you know the difference that your brain, um, the different way that your uh, brain responds to something when you're putting it in your own words and talking to other people about it, not just you know passively taking it in. Um, and uh, I think you know one thing that we've learned uh, over the years is that lots of people uh, learn differently and they might need a different, you know, a different kind of yeah. voice, a different kind of coach. And so having a lot of different coaches in the stable with different specialties and different ways of communicating, that just feels like a really smart way to make sure that people that join the site, find someone that, you know, speaks to them. And I try to communicate in multiple ways within the same session. Cause I realize there's, there's multiple people there that may be learning mm. differently. Yeah. 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 I'm sure it's a challenge. Um, but I will say, you know, I don't say this to all the guests. We have a lot of people on the show. This is episode 581, I think. And we have uh, people say great stuff about working with you. Um, people are excited. They feel invigorated. They feel like you're talking their language. Um, yeah. So I got to say at least, you know, the, the, the word is good, man. So like it's it's Thanks. working. Um, well, okay. Sorry. I, I remembered you asked me what are the challenges, right? So yeah. Biggest challenge for me right now is um, getting better at delegating the tasks. Um, mm -hmm. I'm doing a lot myself. I mean, um, on top of you know being the, being you know the main coach, I'm CEO. I'm head of marketing. I'm doing email marketing. I'm writing the newsletter. I'm doing social media. Um, and uh, I do I do have you know a team of you know five or six people working with me. Most are you know only working in a few hours. Some more. But I'm trying to scale up their hours. I'm trying to bring more high-level people into the team. Um, that could kind of take stuff off my shoulders that uh, are replaceable so that I can spend more time doing the things that only I can do. Um, and that that's definitely like the number one challenge right now. I think it's just kind of natural. Like I'm two years into this business and it was really important for me that early on I did everything so I understand the intricacies Um and now I can kind of have other people kind of take that over. So yeah, that's that's really a big focus of me um, this year, kind of building the team. Um, next year, I want to add in cash games. Um, I want to revamp our quizzes. Um, I want to launch some courses. So yeah, I mean, we, we've already have a lot of great stuff, but I have um, some big visions of how we're going to take it to the next level. 
That's awesome, man. And if people want to get uh, more involved with Faraz, you can go to our Learning with Partners po- uh, page here at Rec Poker because um, we're proud to be um, working together to uh, send more of our members over to Jacka Coaching. Um, I think as you grow as an organization, that kind of feels like you're on a very natural journey of needing to find help <laughs> with everything that yeah. comes with that. You know, we yeah. we have a great crew here. You know, we're a largely volunteer-based organization. Most of what we do is free. It's because we're all just passionate about making the recreational poker world a better place. And I yeah. I it's not, it won't come as a surprise to regular listeners to know that um, you know, without their support and with the support of our crew, um, there's no way we could be doing 10% of what we do here at Rec Poker. So, you know, having the right people makes a big difference. Um I will say something real quick just about the recreational players since you talked about that. Um, As launching, that was actually one of the ways we differentiated ourselves Mm. Um, because I felt like there's really no site out there that's saying, hey, we're for recreational players. And um, I kind of just fell into that because, I, I again, I said I coached 120 players and I looked at who those players were. You know, I got to know a lot of them and majority of them were serious recreational players, samurai pros or people who were like, oh, I used to play before Black Friday, got a job, business, you know, I have disposable income now, I'm kind of getting back into it. Uh, so because that was naturally who was drawn to me, um, that's who I made these lessons for. It was like, you know, people that are too busy, they don't have 60 hours a week to play poker and study it. So how do they find solutions to stay ahead of the curve? Um, and now I actually have that same problem myself because I have a family, I have a business. How the hell do I stay ahead of the curve? So the things I'm figuring out for myself are the same things that are useful for my students. Um, so, yeah, it really is kind of recreational player focus first. But um, what ended up happening was, um, you know, I, I don't teach dumbed down stuff. I just try to uh, simplify complicated things into easily digestible heuristics. And a lot of professionals have actually found that very useful. So you know, looking at a user list, I started seeing a bunch of, you know, professionals, even high stake professionals. So now in the last six, seven months, we've started building towards pros as well and uh, brought in some more like high stakes coaches like Tomas Babine, who's killing the 25K high rollers and that kind of stuff. Um, and now we're really kind of covering all the stakes in both recreational players and professional players. Amazing. So you've got a site with a lot of material that everyone can use, and then you're building more and more kind of at the top of the pyramid for people to to graduate to. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's always something that we think about it here as well, um, because we are, you know, focused at the recreational player and we want to keep it, keep our material at a level where it's valuable for like low stakes cash games and, you know, the tournament dailies and the home games and the bar leagues and things that people are playing in. Um but a lot of us have been do- working around this Zoom panel for, you know, four years now. Uh, we've kind of our own thinking about poker has evolved a little bit. And uh, sometimes it's hard to uh, keep it, you know, f- uh, focused on the, the 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 real good information that is going to apply to people in the rec- uh, recreational games out there. Yeah. How, how do you how do you decide this is where we're tailoring our information? We're not going to get too fancy. We're not going to get too complicated. How do you decide how to approach it and where to stop talking about the rabbit holes that you find? Yeah, so that is something that became a problem at one point that, um, you know, we we started with this group of, again, serious recreational player focus, but then they started getting pretty advanced, like within a year or within even six months. And then um, I'm always asking for user feedback, like whether it's like in person at the tournaments or certain meetups or through emails and that kind of stuff. And people were kind of getting sick of hearing like the same stuff that they already kind of learned 
Um, so then I, what, what I started doing was we would just do like a, like a couple, um, good initiation periods, like WSB prep series or like black Friday to be a lot of new people coming in. So I just start to do more new student focused events around those periods. Um, but also, you know, we have our like NTT crash course, which is kind of a perfect onboarding for new students. So really just like found solutions like that. So it's like, hey, watch this course that's going to help you graduate to the weekly lessons um, so that you can follow along with those. But um, at the same time, we're constantly mixing in kind of new student stuff as we go as well. We kind of put like a level one through five difficulty mm -hmm. on all the and so that makes it easy for people to know which one's for them. Yeah, that that's awesome. And I think, you know, a lot of newer players and even serious recreational players are still making mistakes that are fairly common mistakes. And you can kind of you can learn how to avoid those along with a bunch of other people. Uh, the low hanging fruit is still there, I think, um, for a lot of people at, at the front end of their poker journey. Yeah, and I actually can talk about what I think is um, one of the biggest mistakes people are doing when studying. If, if you guys want to talk Please. about that. Yeah, I um, love that idea. Yeah, it's really, you know, what when I talk with, you know, people, um, you know, for the first time, and I'm kind of giving them advice, I ask them what they've been doing. And people are very scattered. They're like, Oh, like, I watched this YouTube video, watch this kind of course, watch this. And it's just, it's not very structured. And then um, the the other thing is a lot of so so and what I mean by that is, there's endless amounts of material, like you cannot study it all. Right. That's, and that's like a new problem over the next last decade. Right. Because we just have so much stuff out there. So um, it's all about prioritizing the low hanging fruit. Um, it's And how do you do that? It's what are the spots that come up the most often or play for the most amount of chips the most often? And um, that's actually how I train my one on one students. And then that's actually how I've structured my MTT crash course, because that is the optimal way to do it. So in tournament poker, usually someone raises, most people fold, but the big blind usually calls because, right, they're getting a good price. They're going to be calling like 70% of hands or so, and or sometimes more depending on stack sizes and positions. So single raise pots versus the big blind. You need to be an expert at C betting versus the big blind. A lot of people skip over that because, oh, it seems easy. You just bet most of the time, right? But you know, a lot of people are missing when do you use larger C bets where you bet like two thirds of the pot? Why? What is accomplished? What type of boards? Uh, when do you have actually have a check back range? Um, how do you balance that? So it's not so obvious to just have ace king when you check back on that six, seven, eight board, uh, stuff like that. So C betting from the big blind, um, three betting pre-flop, um, check raising from the big blind, right? Because you're calling all these weak hands on the big blind. And then um, double barreling versus the big blind, because now that you see bet, you know, there's like eight, 10 big blinds, so you're playing for a big pot. Um, and it just kind of goes on from there. So structured study is one thing. Uh, the other thing is talking hands, documenting hands. It's crazy. I just, I talked to so many people, they've been playing for 15 years and they don't document their hands. They're not talking hands. <laughs> with people. That is the low hanging fruit. It's absolutely free. That is the number one thing I will credit to my own game to where it is. So yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a three-step process to get good at poker. If you're a recreational player with not a lot of time, it's one, document your hands every time you play the tough hands. Number two, have a community of people to talk hands with that take it as serious as you do. And number three, watch learning content in a structured way, um, you know, in, in that order that I kind of described. So you just do those three things, you will be ahead of the curve. If you're a professional, you have more time than the fourth and fifth thing, or, you know, you play with solvers, uh, understand the game at a deeper level, 
And number five is a lot of these uh, solver sites now have uh, trainers or you could train against a bot. So, you know, you go and watch this lesson on check raising versus the big blind, you go play against the bot, that same thing, you get 50 reps in, that's going to really help you hone that in. Um, so it's very, very simple, right? You just got to follow those steps. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. We talk a lot about the importance of like talking to friends and peers and mentors about hands. You know, um, it's the, like you said, it's the cheapest way. It's the most active way. And um, it's the way that you find your leaks. You find the assumptions that you're making that are going to get you in trouble or, you know, yeah, the errors people, in thinking. People will spend years making mistakes and then you just talk to one person and that just could have saved you years. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I have a funny story. Um, I was flying from uh, Bahamas to Vegas just a couple of weeks ago for, you know, from the WCB Bahamas to the WPD win event. Uh, and the guy sitting next to me, um, he didn't know me. Uh, he was headed to the win as, as well. I heard him kind of talking to his concierge, making some requests. And I was like, oh, I'm headed there too. And he was headed there to play the 10K. Um, and, um, you know, he found out I was a coach. We started talking about poker and stuff. And he basically said he kind of avoids talking poker with people because, you know, he feels like they kind of pigeonhole the strategy and he's really outside the box and he doesn't mm. want to kind of, kind of get stuck in playing the same way everyone else does. And there is definitely some truth into what he says, um, right? You do lose the creativity and some of these outside the box ways thinking uh, because of that. But, you know, he thought he was, you know, very, very advanced, like really good. And like, as we just kept talking, I, I could tell he had, you know, a lot of leaks, a lot of things he needed to work on. He actually convinced me, he bought a one-on-one -on -one coaching session for me on the plane. And we literally <laughs> did like two hours of coaching and he'd learned so much. There was so much low hanging fruit. He was listening. He was missing out on. And it was just because he spent all the time, like not wanting to talk poker with people. Um, or, or sometimes people are like embarrassed or shy to, you know, ask for help or admit that they need help. Um, I get coaching. I study like we all need to like, that's just part of the game. Yeah. And it's a step that I think some people feel like they need to be more serious players before they invest in coaching. But I want to just smack that yeah, idea that's down. That's a big mistake like, as well. A lot of people mess really with, like, is. Oh, I'm a recreational player. It's like, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Then, then that's where the biggest gains are. You know, you can, the, the lowest hanging fruit is there. Yeah. And I think people, people like, I, I encourage people to think about it. Like if you're an amateur golfer, go down to the driving range and get a half hour lesson from the assistant pro and just smooth your your swing out. You're not going to make yeah. 50 more dollars on the on the greens that week, but you're going to have invested in this hobby that you enjoy. You're going to get better at this thing that you love. And in poker, you can even make more money if you if you yeah. get better. The way I looked at it is how much time am I spending at a hobby and how much money am I spending on it? And then, you know, it becomes the math becomes pretty easy of if you should invest either time or money into working at getting better at those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I say this often, but like I learned poker as a lurker, books, videos, listening to podcasts. I was not, I didn't join any groups until I joined Rec Poker. And I wish I'd done it 10 years earlier because just from the time I would have, I would have accelerated my learning so much quicker. I'd be playing at yeah. my A game for the last 10 years and not just the last few years, you know, and you don't get, you know, you, you, we're not here forever. So you have to kind of make the most. Yeah, of the and I think this advice have. goes for any hobby, like outside of poker too, you know, whatever mm -hmm. else if you're spending that much time at it, like why not get a few hours of tips and, you know, do things more efficiently. So, so the way that people learn has changed a lot. You talked earlier about how there's sort of like, there's so much information out there. Opportunity cost prevents us from ever actually taking it all in. 
Um, when you when you learned, it was a little while ago. It was in the more conventional, you know, poker boom era. Uh, it feels like that was the, the current era is a much more sort of like collaborative, engaged, active learning yeah, um, exactly. area. Uh, what what do you do now to improve your own poker play other than coaching it? Because I know coaching is a great way to improve. I, I, I literally do that list that I told you, those five things. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly yeah. what I do. Yeah. Um, to me, you know, like I, I'm pretty busy and uh, I just feel like if I do those five things, I will keep up with the game. Um, but yeah, every once in a while, I'll take like, um, you know, a month period or month and I'd be like, okay, I'm really going to study hard here. Um, you know, and I've even, I, I've bought coaching sessions from some of my own coaches, um, you know, Jeremy Menard, he's much better at like online poker and like using the HUD and that kind of stuff than me. So <laughs> taking some lessons from him, um, I've gotten lessons from Tomas Pavine, who I said, you know, plays high rollers and has done a lot of the hardcore solver stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to learn from, you know, whoever might have skill sets, you know, different than mine. And, um, and yeah, I, I try, try to go through periods where I'm more like doing deeper learning, focused on like XYZ subjects. And then um, during busier times, I'm just kind of doing more of that maintenance kind of study. Yeah. Mm. So let's get let's get back to step one for a second. You talked about recording your hands. Um, what does that mean to you? And how different is the experience um, of working with someone who's recorded their hands well versus someone who has not recorded their hands well? Yeah, it's funny. So I have, um, and I'm happy to share this if anyone wants this, if you guys want to distribute it, but I have um, a, a little document of how to document hands and also a little, little four or five minute video that I send to my students. Uh, what usually happens, you know, I ask someone to send hands and they send this big long block of text or I'll see it in our Discord channel and it's just hard to read. And it's like you're not you're less likely to review it when it's long and hard to mm. read and people are less likely to respond to your post when they're hard to read. So um, it's really about just like using quick, easy syntax. A lot of people are including information that doesn't need to be included, um, you know, just just not simplifying, not abbreviating things. Um, sometimes it'll include a lot of detail of what was in their head, what were they were thinking at the time. And the way I structure it is just write the action of how the hand went down and then underneath add your reads, underneath that add your questions, one, two, three. Um, it, it's maybe easier to visualize, but I'm happy to share that if anyone wants to and you guys could throw it in the notes or wherever you want to share it with people. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I, for us, we'll get together offline and I'll make sure that there's a link to that short uh, video on how to take better yeah. hands uh, for everyone who's listening to the podcast. Just head over to the show notes and you can check that out. That's awfully generous of you. Thanks for us. And yeah, I want to elaborate on that a little bit because like everyone wants the big sexy thing of how do they get better at poker, right? <laughs> And and like learning how to write hands down doesn't sound that sexy, but literally <laughs> that is one of the most important things. And if you can't do that, you're probably not going to be a long-term winning player. So what I find that a lot of people are missing and a lot of sites, training sites are missing actually, is they're not teaching people how to have, you know, the basic infrastructure set up. How do you set up mm -hmm. the environment to even have a chance to learn? Um, and, and that's where it's about, again, writing the hands down, having the people talk about knowing how to use the tools, knowing how, you know, and some people are just not good with tech. They don't know how to take screenshots. They don't know how to grab the hand history. So investing the time to learn those things, it seems really intimidating at first, but it's really easy once you get going. Yeah. Once you internalize that kind of stuff, it does get a lot easier. And it's something yeah. that we all have to do. Um, we got a question from Eric Ebsen in the chat here uh, on the same note, which is that uh, he's working on documenting hands. 
Um, and this is something that I hear from other members as well. But sometimes you don't realize it's going to be an interesting hand until you're sort of in the middle of the hand. And how, is that a problem? Do we need to be late, like laser focused on every action of every street of every hand? Or how do we sort of train ourselves to be taking more to be paying more attention so that when it's like, oh, I do need to be taking notes about this hand. And here's what happened pre-flop. And here's what happened on the flop. Yeah. Okay. So there's hands you're in and hands you're not in. So hands you're not in. I totally get that. Like sometimes you might miss the action and you realize an interesting hand that happens to me all the time. Um, I sure I want to pay attention to every single hand, but it's it's more about like endurance and managing like, Hey, I got to play 12 hours and towards the end, I'm going to be paying more attention. So that's just understanding your own endurance and, and, um, you know, like you could do things like medita meditation, eating healthy, working out, that kind of stuff that's going to help you kind of pay more attention more often. Uh, with your own hand, you should be able to recall the action of every hand you played right after. So I'm usually writing on the hands, you know, after I'm done with the hand, sometimes you play a few hands in a row and it takes a while. Maybe you have to wait till the break. I'm usually able to recall it, um, you know, within the next you know hour or two or immediately after the hand. If you're having trouble doing that, what I find is it's probably just because you're not doing it yet. Um, what I've found is a lot of people struggle with that. But once I've kind of assigned them homework to do that, and they've spent a couple months trying to do that, it's 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 easy because it's just a mental muscle. That's all it is. Yeah, you've talked about sort of some of these non-sexy skills in poker, but they're the most important ones. Game selection, yeah. you know, bankroll management, taking good notes. These are things that help a recreational poker players get a lot better, even though it has nothing to Pro, do with pros you too, not, be not, not just recreational, definitely pros. Yeah. I mean, there, there's super talented players out there that are pros that don't have good bankroll management and, um, you know, they, they're broke. You know what I mean? Like I'd, I'd rather be like a B skill player with a plus bankroll management than like an A plus sicko with bad bankroll management. <laughs> it's going to be broke. I love it. Uh, Rob, you've been patiently waiting to jump in here. And I'll remind our YouTube chatters, uh, we're going to close down the interview soon. So here's your last chance to get any questions in. And uh, uh, Rob, fire away. Okay, we on the subject of hand reporting, um, we've been talking about that a little bit in our book study. We're going through exploitative play in live poker. And that's where Alex Fitzgerald talks a lot about taking notes on your players, taking notes on hands that you've played, taking notes on hands that you've seen. That's exactly what you're talking about. What I'd like to know, and a lot of people are questioning, asking this question of us, is how do you take notes at the table? For me, so it's, just, it's just a notepad. I have a notepad on my phone. Before I start to play, all right, JPT win, 10K main event, HH, you know, hand histories. Um, and it, it's... It might seem hard to do, but again, once you start doing it, and then again, you see the syntax that I'm using, um, I think that will help. Uh, there is also this little um, keyboard shortcut thing. I don't use it, but so many of my students love this thing. It's called, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, hand, hand history, history keyboard. keyboard. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I use it myself. Yeah. Hand history keyboard. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. So um, I think that that helps a lot, a lot too, because you don't have to write UTG. It just has a button that's mm -hmm. UTG. But um, yeah, that, that's the best way. Just start doing it, do the syntax, uh, space things out. Um, and then you know, if we're talking about online poker, then it's just getting familiar with how to use poker right. track and that kind of stuff. Okay. And live poker. So you're taking uh, notes on hands. You're doing hand histories. How about notes on players at your table? 
Do you mm-hmm. do anything with that? Um, I don't personally, um, just because I don't have, I'm not playing enough volume that I think it's worth kind of documenting that. But I, I do know players that are keeping databases of um, reads on players and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think if you can do it, sure, that's a great idea. I think it matters more in smaller player pools. So I know some of the guys playing, you know, the 100Ks, 25Ks, it's kind of a select group of people playing that. You're against the same guys over and over again. Um, so they may keep track there. Uh, definitely online, I for sure do that. I'm writing notes on, you know, players. Like if I find mistakes or leaks or bet sizing tells, I'm definitely writing that kind of stuff on the notes. Yeah, I, I have the same experience. I think uh, when I'm playing in a um, group of people, let's say you're playing in a daily at New or- at the Orleans or something, you're going to see a lot of people that you're probably never going to see again. Yeah. So it's not that important to make player you know, take notes on those players, but then you look back at some of the notes I've taken on venues where I play over and over and over again, where you see the same people over and over and over again. I've got extensive notes on a lot of those players. I will say something that is very helpful is, you know, I have my strategy group chat with the players that, you know, I talk hands with and, you know, we'll be at events. And then when someone's deep, we'll, you know, be like, hey, this is my table. Anyone know anyone? Maybe show a photo. And I'll get friends who be like, hey, I played the hand. this guy played this hand like this. Oh, this guy, you know, seems really advanced. Um, so having that community um, does help kind of like collectively recall hands. Right on. Um, so I'll ask one more uh, question before we get to our uh, stake study stack and closing the action with you for us. Uh, what's one thing that you love most about owning and operating your own training site? Um. I'd say two things. I mean, one is definitely like, I'm a super social person. I love meeting people. I love meeting people from different backgrounds. Um, One thing I always wanted to avoid doing is like, you're in one industry, you hang out with people and friends in that industry, and then you're kind of in this bubble. Uh, You know, poker was always super interesting to me from the beginning because, you know, I'd be flying over from college to, you know, the Bellagio, playing 10, 20, no limit, way out of my bankroll at the time. (laughs) And... You know, I'm sitting next to like, you know, like a movie star, like, you know, Nelly, um, you know, like a, a math teacher, a professional poker player, and just like all this mix of people that would never normally sit down next to each other. I think that's really cool about poker. And now, you know, as a coach, uh, I'm naturally just like meeting people that are from, you know, doctors, lawyers, business people, like other parents. Uh, so as a social person who likes to meet other people, um, it, it's a really cool way to filter in like re- really awesome people. Um, you know, most people that have disposable income to play poker are, you know, successful in their life and there's something you can learn from them. So I really like that aspect. Um, the other aspect is the flexibility. Like I can mm-hmm. go wherever I can work. I can be my family. Uh, you know, that's that's the second thing I love about it. And I guess uh, I'll ask one follow-up question from that, which is, um do you still love the game of poker is it still something that excites you um or is it more absolutely sort of- i mean I, i'm a big believer that if you don't love what you're doing you just shouldn't be doing it you're not going to do a good job at it uh go find something else that pays less and you know if you're passionate about it it's probably going to work out better for you whether it's making more or you're just happier that's a great tip all right. Um, so, folks, uh, if you want to start typing the words food bank into the chat, as soon as the interview with Faraz is over, we'll roll the magic die of infamy and see who is going to win a great prize this week. 
Um, Faraz, we're going to play two quick games first, and then we're going to let you go. Thank you for your time today. Um, the first is called Steak Study Stack. And this is much like a game you might remember of when you were a kid uh, called Mary. Uh, you're going to get three names. You have to choose someone that you could, someone you could marry, someone you could spend the night with romantically, and someone that you could do something violently with. Um, our version is only poker players, one that you can stake in a tournament or cash game, one that you can study with, and one that you can stack at the tables while you're sitting across the field from them. Okay? Wait, hold on. Is it someone I could stake, someone I could study with, and what was the other one? Stack. Yeah, I can take all their chips. Now I'm going to give you three names. All you need to do is tell me which is which. Okay. 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 You're going to give me three names, and I got to categorize them. Okay. That's it. So these are the three names that we got from our YouTube chatters. They are. uh, They're all. They're all in the realm of uh, poker coaching as well. It seems like this makes a lot of sense. So (laughs) uh, you have to choose: stake, study, stacker, Doug Polk, Matt Stout, Chance Corneth. Okay. Um, wait, sorry. It was Doug Chance, and who was the other one? Uh, Matt Stout. Oh, Matt Stout. Okay. So, stake, study, stack in any okay. order of your choosing. I have one answer already. I'm just making sure I don't want to move things around. <laughs> Very calculated. <laughs> you want to have the optimal possible answer. And the other day it was study, stake, stack, and study, stack, stake study stack oh, oh, oh that's that's tough because study and stake are pretty it's okay it's supposed to be a little tough i'm uh, this is yeah. i'm finding this very validating for us yeah okay i'll go study with doug poke um definitely does you know a lot of you know high level study that i think would be an interesting person to study with um i'll stake chance that guy has just been crushing it over the last few years so it seems like a pretty pretty profitable uh investment and um and then, uh, sorry, is Matt Stout. I, you know what? I, I used to battle with Stout quite a bit, and um, I'd stack him, and he'd just have this look on his face. And <laughs> you know, why not? <laughs> I'll take that look I again. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I love it. All right, thank you for us. Um, so this is we're going to close the action with our speed round. Um, thank you again. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. So we're going to fire a bunch of quick questions at you. Uh, we're looking for. Quick, short, honest answers. And if you okay. don't have a quick, short, honest answer, you can say pass. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start with an easy one. Here we go. Dim the lights. What is your favorite poker hand? Mm-hmm. Seven deuce off. Beautiful answer. Is tilt, poker tilt equity when you pop them and show it? I like that. Uh, question two is poker a gamble game or a skill game? Skill game. What's your biggest poker pet peeve? Mm, biggest poker pet peeve. Oh. Pass. Okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> is Die Hard is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Die Hard Christmas movie? No, no. <laughs> is Ace King a drawing hand? No. Uh, are, that. are you pro chop or no chop? I used to be no chop. Now I'm pro chop. And what player type are you? That's for other people to tell tell me. You know? <laughs> I, I used to be a maniac, and now you just don't know. So sorry. Perfect. Boys. Perfect. You're not giving that away for free. Um, <laughs> should vacations be lazy or busy? 
Um, a mix, definitely a mix of both. Um, a mix. I want. I, That's I allowed. Like, I like you can to answer you know, anything you want. I like to plan a bunch of stuff, but leave moments of you know nothing mm. planned. Nice. I like that. We call that fixed, fixed and fluid. A little combo yeah. deal. I like that. Um, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yeah. Uh, yellow light coming up. Slow down or speed up? Speed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question uh, in the speed round here. Uh, who is your party. poker nemesis? Who's my poker nemesis? Hmm. I can't. No one comes naturally to mind. I, I can't just, think of anyone that I just. You're just yeah. too friendly a guy. You just have a bunch of <laughs> poker friends, I guess. All right. So we're going to give you one more question. Uh, take your time with this one for us uh, just to wrap it all up. It's your first time on the show. We're so appreciative that we got to talk to you today. Looking back on a life well lived in the world of poker, but this this could do with poker. It could, could do with any other part of your life. Someone puts a gun to your head and says, you have to go back and do one thing differently. What's the one thing that you have to do differently in your life? Hmm. I think it would be great to have learned about compounding interest and the power mm. of it with investing your money earlier in my career. And it, it's funny because I I feel like I, I learned that. I did kind of know how that worked. But as you get older, you kind of look at in your 20s, like, oh, you know, I was making all this money in tournaments and just like, you know, recycling a reel back into high stakes tournaments and taking these gambles and and startup investments and stuff like that. Whereas, hey, if you just went and put it in some good funds and let it compound, you look at where it could be. You're like, damn, I just wasted a lot of money back then. Um, so, yeah, I, I wish I kind of um, maybe someone would have sat me down and just like showed me some simulations of it in a spreadsheet compared to other risks. And I learned that earlier in my career. That's a good answer and something I think a lot of people should listen up to if you're uh, an aspiring poker pro, if you're someone that's a little younger than Faraz and I, maybe it's not too late for you. Get on that uh, compound interest rate. Uh, good good answer, Faraz. Thank you. So um, we're going to continue with the show, talk about some home game results, some goals we've got for 2024. Um, uh, I'll take our listeners, our audience behind the curtain here. Um, Faraz is offered to join us a little later tonight um, in the forums edition of the podcast to talk some strategy for, uh, uh, features. So if you're watching this live on YouTube and you're a premium member, uh, feel free to join our Zoom at nine o'clock Eastern, uh, like we do every other week here on the Rec Poker Podcast. Uh, for is us, that one also live? Uh, that one is not live. No, we okay, uh, we, sit, we put those in the can and uh, drip them out uh, so that people okay. can get more and more excited between episodes to get more of this fantastic strategy content from the one and only Braz Jacka. Uh, thank you again, sir. This has been a pleasure. All right. Take it easy, everyone. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Well, I don't see a lot of people entering the words uh, food bank into the uh, YouTube chat, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to announce some recent home game winners. John Somsky. It is a whole new year. We have a whole new season in our player of the year race. We've got first Wednesday of the month uh, tournaments coming up, second Wednesday of the month tournaments coming up. There's a lot to go over. Why don't you dive right in there, boss? All right. Well, we have uh, two weeks worth of stuff to uh, record because we missed last week due to it being like a major holiday, Christmas. Um <laughs> So we'll start off with the Nolan Hold'em Champion Series Tournament of Champions. Max Chaos 2112, Greg Clem okay. won the TOC. Very impressive. Way to go, Greg. Congratulations, man. Way to go. That's fantastic. 
And then K-Poker Wannabe, Ron Payton, got his ninth nightly victory. Hmm. And then K-Poker Wannabe, Ron Payton, got his tenth nightly victory. Whoa. And and Ron, if you're watching, I got to say, you also, uh, Joe Coolis is donating to a food uh, bank of your choice somewhere in Ontario. Um, So he might be trying to reach out to you to get some contact information or something about that. But congratulations and uh, way to go, Ron. Continue with your fantastic success. I'm glad you found us here at Red Poker. And then go for boy TJM. Taylor got his third nightly victory. The same night. Third. Go for boy. Well, for the year. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind that he generally just plays the championship. Oh, that's true. He plays on the Wednesdays. Wins yeah. all of those. But he does. <laughs> this was a Wednesday, by the way, the 20th. Uh, and he we had a mixed practice event, which go for boy TJM. Taylor also won, got his second mixed practice victory for the year. Wow. Then Johnny Quattro got his first or her. I Screen name is Johnny Quattro. So <laughs> Make your own uh, assumptions, Judd. <laughs> uh, international victory for the year. E. Anderson, 85. Eric Anderson got his second international victory awesome. for the year. And Aces, 54320. Kathy Chang won the LPP event. So she can contact info at rec.poker for her free month at Learn Pro Poker. And also a happy belated birthday to Kathy Chang, who I think uh, celebrated a birthday just the other day I saw on Twitter. Um, So thanks, Kathy, for your contributions to our Mixed Game uh, podcast episodes and happy belated birthday. And also happy belated birthday to Michael Babker. I'm giving him three in a row, three episodes in a row. Michael, thank you so much for all your support. Um, Thanks for I hope you had a fantastic birthday and a great end to 2023. Next, we have the Mixed Game Championship tournament of champions and mm. none other than pet vet kim kilroy won mm-hmm. that toc event no surprise that was also her 50th lifetime victory which entered her into the silver lifetime achievement club so yes. she really won uh joined this alongside evil roy uh david westerveld as the second winner of the life silver lifetime achievement award Let's just like that's so impressive. So fantastic. Way to go to win the mixed game championship and have that be her 50th. She actually wins two silver pins uh for winning yes. that tournament. One and, tournament got well, I guess it really won her 150th of one of the silver pins, right? It, <laughs> that's true. That <laughs> that's right. Great point. That that yeah, won her a hundred and two percent of a pin, which is pretty correct. Pretty impressive. I'm that not is- at all surprised. It was Kim Kilroy. Way to go, Pet Bet. Um, what a what a phenomenal hard worker, a great contributor to what we do here, and a fantastic voice on the panel. I'm not one bit surprised. Um, rock and roll, Kim Kilroy. All right, thanks, John. I promise she- I'll introduce interrupt about four more times. That's all right. She won her first victory on September 7th in 2020, mm. and obviously this victory came on December 27th. So it's been a fairly steady every year. She just keeps on winning. Yeah, very impressive. Next, we have Roadstar 33 got his seventh nightly victory for the year. Lars opening, George Borden got his fourth nightly victory for the year. E. Anderson 85, Eric Anderson got his fourth nightly victory for the year. And then the same night, Eric Anderson, E. 
E. Anderson, 85, won the Daily Mixed event for his first mixed practice event for the year. He really can't be stopped. That's fantastic. Eric, a prolific poster in our forums and our Discord channel. Sometimes even occasionally he posts in the right channel every once in a while. It's phenomenal. Thank you, Eric, for all your contributions. And now Isenma got his fifth international victory for the year. Ike. And Evil Roy C.A., David mm. Westerveld, got his eighth international victory for the year. And this is 65 lifetime <laughs> <laughs> so he's got 65 when the next closest is Kim with 50. Um, he's pulling out a lead there. We are going to have to, in the not too distant future, figure out what the criteria are for the gold lifetime mm -hmm. award. Mm -hmm. Something uh, special. We do not know yet. No, we might have to call them like the, the Evil Roy Award or something like that. I mean, the, the Westerveld Ring of Honor. I don't know. Like, he's really blazing a, a, a trail here. It's very impressive. Dave, I hope you're listening. Way to go, man. Uh, then PCS 2005, huh. Jack LaRue won go, Jack. the LPP event. So he can contact info at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. That's right. Learn, claim that prize. You're going to want it. Uh, a lot of great stuff happening at Learn Pro Poker. They've been our uh, one of our very first learning partners. And um, I'm just so grateful heading into 2024 here. Um, we're adding more uh, players to the Wrecking Crew. We're adding more learning partners to our uh, learning partners program, more sites like uh, Faraz Jacka's. Um, this is kind of the place where thoughtful, serious recreational players can come and find a buffet of experienced coaches and training sites and people that you might want to work with or chat with or just talk to about poker. Um, so uh, like I say every week, come join us for free. All it takes is an email address and a smile here at rec.poker. And if you want to go premium, you can get your first month for only five bucks by using the code recpoker at checkout. And it's only $15 a month after that. That's one five, folks. $15. In this, the year of our Lord 2024, I'm telling you, the, a bigger bargain can't be found. Um, so come and throw your hat in the room and uh, let us know that you like what we're doing and you want to support our cause. That's a great way to do it. Um, is there anything else that we should be mentioning? Oh, Lord. Well, the, it's almost time for uh, the Rec Poker Weekend and Running Aces. They've got a tournament right around the corner on January 11th to 14th. That's the $500 entry Big Stack Avalanche Tournament. That's going to be a lot of fun. They know how to do tournaments over there at uh, Running Aces, even if they do only uh, play two 100 spread limit <laughs> on the cash tables. You Minnesotans got some weird stuff going on over there. But um, if you want to get involved uh, at the Big Stack Avalanche, that's January 11th to 14th. But it's the next weekend that you really want to grab your socks for because Rec Poker is coming to town. We're going to be having a four tournament series. We're going to be doing a meetup cash game. We're going to be giving away prizes. Uh, we're going to be supporting a local food bank. Uh, you're going to be able to meet other members of the Wrecking Crew and hang out and have fun and learn stuff. And uh, it's all going to be part of uh, that weekend. So January 19th and 20th, uh, come on out to Running Aces. I know... One person's flying in from Ontario. I know at least one person's flying in from California. I know at least one person's driving in from uh, one of the easterly states. I know one person's driving up north. Uh, so there's a lot of people coming in from out of town. I don't know what your excuse is, but come meet uh, some of the Wrecking Crew members and have some fun with us over at our fantastic sponsors, uh, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, January 19th and 20th of this year. So... Oh, we didn't tell Faraz how many points he got. 16. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, 
doesn't look like we've got much else to uh, add to the show here tonight. I want to wish everyone a fantastic new year, a great start to 2024. I want to thank our YouTube chatters. Of course, Joseph, Rob, Keith, and John here on The Wrecking Crew, without whom we couldn't do what we do. Um, but mostly you, the listeners. Uh, we we love doing this podcast. It's so much fun. Um, please rate and review it and tell us you enjoyed it as well. Have a great start to 2024, folks. Next week.